Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. My guest for this episode is a superhero of the Australian health system. Health systems are amazing things, remarkably complex and with so many critical roles to perform. And for most of us, if we've been lucky enough not to have to engage with a section of the system, we're probably blissfully unaware of the role they play in keeping people healthy and safe. Well, today we'll be talking about Adult Retrieval Victoria, that's ARV for short, a department of Ambulance Victoria that's responsible for coordinating doctors, paramedics, ambulances, planes, helicopters and equipment to transfer critically ill patients between hospitals. They're like the Thunderbirds of the Victorian medical system. And, to stretch the metaphor to a point that may lose some of our younger listeners, every Thunderbirds needs a Jeff Tracy. Well, in the case of ARV, that man is Dr Jason McClure. Jason's an incredibly experienced intensive care medicine specialist with a Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery from the University of Glasgow. He spent his life in an array of roles across the hospital and healthcare industry. Clinical research, healthcare improvement, medical education, medical devices, anaesthesia. And today, he's the director of Adult Retrieval Victoria. We're very lucky to have some of his time with his state in lockdown. Jason McClure, welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mate, can you put some numbers around the mission of ARV? I've sort of explained what it does, but how, how, how big and, and complicated a beast is it? So, so it's um, so Ambulance Victoria has this department, Adult Retrieval, and we have uh, we deal with about four thousand cases a year, um, and about half of those are actually retrieved by us. Um, so, putting that into context, um, Ambulance Victoria moves about forty six to forty seven thousand patients between hospitals every year. Um, and we're only involved in 4,000 of them. So we're a very small department in the organisation. Um, that being said, though, our, our remit is to move the critically ill patients, you know, people at their greatest need, um, from areas either to provide urgent care um, or to move them um, out of areas where that support cannot be provided. Um, so we're dealing with the, the sickest patients um, and moving them all over the state. And we're talking about all over the state. We're talking about something like 150 hospitals across the state. When you first reached out to Telstra in 2014, at that stage, how were how was data and, and, and information managed? So um, obviously before my time, but um, when when Adult Retrieval was originally managing it, they, they would have a Rodex and a list of phone numbers. Um, and essentially you would... Um, you would get a referral about a patient um, and then you would have to spend your time, first of all, identifying an appropriate place for them to go um, and then phoning around to see if that place actually has capability or availability to take the patient. You see, I, f- I find this amazing. We, we live in this digital age now where it, 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 it's easy to assume everything's always been digital, but you're talking just over five years ago, a, a system trying to allocate seriously ill people to crucial hospital beds was being done by pen, paper and phone. What were some of the, the, the challenges that that sort of paper-based record system would have had? Well, I mean, there is still some legacy from that and there's the, we still have some of those actions, but effectively um, you're phoning lots of people, uh, getting um, um, unanswered calls, um, engaged calls, phoning the wrong person and then have to phone someone else. Um, 
And then to add to the complexity of that, um, it had often been the case of to move a patient to one hospital, you might have to make six or seven phone calls within that hospital alone um, in order to organise the transfer. Um, so it was a huge administrative burden, um, which you're trying to deal with in a time-critical fashion. So it's complicated, to say the least. And and, and at a sort, sort of more meta level, I read one suggestion that to, to get any accurate number of, of, of beds across the entire system or even a small subsection of it. You had to survey individual hospitals, get their feedback. It must have taken, to, to, get, a, to get a snapshot in time in anything like real time would, would not have really been possible, would it? No, you would have information that would be probably a day or so out of date um, and a case you would be looking at old information, looking at places that had um, capacity and then phoning them just to double check that they still have that space. Um, so it would have been incredibly time-consuming. So, so IRV reach out to Telstra, the part of Telstra that's now Telstra Purple, but this is pre-Telstra Purple as such. It might have been Telstra Orange or Magenta, I'm not sure. Um, it, 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 there's some great acronyms here. REACH, the Retrieval and Critical Health Information System, and now CRIS, the Critical Health Resource Information System. Walk us through these these platforms. How would they? How did they come about and what... What did they change about the way things are done? So the, the REACH system um, was um, developed by um, what is now Telstra Purple um, and uh, my predecessor, Marcus Kennedy, um, um, obviously within collaboration with DHHS. Um, and, and effectively, they wanted a, a database that you know has information of every single healthcare facility across Victoria. Um, and there's the ability for each of those services to input what their bed status and bed availability is um, to translate that into a real-time information dashboard um, so that not only can you see where availability is, but you can also see um, what resources are being consumed um, across the state. Um, So we've used it as both as a real-time um, dashboard for bed availability, but DHHS have also used it to check that um, you know hospitals are meeting their performance metrics um, with regards to bed capacity and availability. And and then then Rich gets sort of scaled up and turned into Chris. Is is it true what I read that it, it, it took it was just a period of seven days in April of 2020 where Rich evolved into Chris? Yeah, so so Reach had a little tool in the background just for more acronyms for you. It had a thing called HICT, which is the Health Health Instant Consequence Tool, um, and that was designed um, potentially for train derailments or you know another Black Saturday, um, any kind of mass casualty event um, where we needed to very quickly identify where we're sending you know large numbers of people in a very short period of time. Um, and this tool had remained dormant essentially for five years. And um, thankfully, we never really had an instant, um, you know, of such a great extent that we had to switch it on. So when COVID broke, um, um, Melissa Rose now, who is the brains behind running all of these platforms for us, the adult retrieval, um, she pointed out to me that we have this simple tool, um, and it was uh, we quickly realised that it probably wasn't adequate for what we needed for COVID. Um, so we used Telstra to rapidly um, improve that so we could have some more granular data about the resources being consumed in intensive care units um, during the COVID pandemic. 
And then it was so successful and done so quickly um, that in collaboration with ANZICS, we realized that this is actually something that should be done at a national level, which is what led us um, to develop Chris and make sure that the Telstra developers didn't get any sleep whatsoever. <laughs> it's, it's, one of, it's one of those cliches you hear bandied about sometimes in, in management theory to never let a crisis go to waste. But I get the impression it was the, the pressing nature of COVID and you need to scale up to deal with that led to a a broader evolution of a system that now will function in areas, many areas beyond currently and, and, and into the future, the, the pandemic. You know, I, I feel sorry for the Telstra developers when they had the first telephone call from me, um, you know, when you're trying to scope out a project. Um, and, and the opening line with them was, um, we need to do this, otherwise people will die. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and I would like it done by tomorrow. Um, um, which, um, so, you know, we effectively took a national project without all of the, you know, not notwithstanding all the jurisdictional issues going between all the states and territories. Um, but we, we essentially took an idea um, and went through scoping out the project, developing the project and having, you know, close to 100% compliance with all the intensive care units in Australia in three weeks. So I, I want to ask you something here, Jason, both specifically about COVID and then more generally about this new system, but specifically when the pandemic hit, what were your priorities? What were the the key things you really had to nail down in managing your response? Um, we could break that into a number of different areas. The the first thing is we needed to be able to identify um, where these outbreaks are happening, um, where where we find uh, patients presenting. Um, we had to be able to work out um, capacity as to where we can send those patients um, and make sure that the places we're sending the patients had um, appropriate ventilator stock, appropriate PPE stock, um, weren't having any issues um, from a staffing perspective. Um, and then at an operational level from the retrieval service perspective, we had to start planning to work out what sort of numbers are we dealing with and what, are, what is my staffing capability and how many transfers per day can we potentially do? Um, so there was a number of things going on. We needed the, the IT support in order to provide us with the information we needed. Um, but we also had to rapidly expand with manpower um, so that we could um, provide care to patients that needed them and, and move them quickly to an appropriate place. So, so it was colossal. And, and, and more, more generally with something like Chris, what, what, what are the both for you as the users and then as the patients, but up front, are you as the, the users of the system, what are the, what are the main efficiency benefits that you're seeing with something like Chris now compared to the, the old days? Well, the advantages now is the, the information we had from Reach um, was more simplistic in terms of it was purely um, numbers of patients and numbers of beds. Um, whereas with the Chris platform, as well as having that information, we, we now have greater detail on um, you know, what um, interventions are happening to those patients. So how many of them are on a ventilator? How many of them are on a kidney machine? Um, how many of them are on a support called ECMO. Um, 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 and um, then also on top of that, um, not only how many patients is the intensive care unit ventilating, but how many spare ventilators um, do they have left? The other thing that Chris brought in that we didn't have before 
um, we was to be able to look at what the potential expansion capacity of those units were. Um, so we might know that, um, just to use an example, the Alfred Hostel um, has the capability of taking 44 intensive care beds, um, but the Chris system could now tell us that they actually had the capability of you know having another 100 cubicles where they could potentially expand up to and take patients. It then gave us information and not only could we see where the hotspots were in terms of activity, um, but it also gave us early information as to regards to um, where are we going to have to start expanding up the bed capability. One, one, of the, one of the clear patient benefits would be if, if you're not spending that six hours making phone calls and follow-up phone calls and calls that aren't being returned and things like that, the speed of getting someone to where they need to be quicker in this sort of branch of the healthcare system, the, the benefits there are self-evident. What are the other sort of patient care benefits, Jason, you have now under a system like Chris compared to the old Rolodex? When we took this to the federal government to get funding um, to to develop Chris, um, the, the the pitch that we gave him was that we wouldn't have someone die from a lack of having a ventilator in Sydney if we knew that there was a ventilator in Melbourne. Um, and we were we were trying to promote the fact that this is a national problem, um, and as well as finding um, capacity as to where to move patients. Um, it also gives us information as to do we need to be moving resources from one place to another um, and potentially taking those resources to the patient. Um, so, so from a patient perspective, it, it allowed us to um, improve equity of care. So therefore, it didn't really matter where you were. Um, we can see what resources are required and whether that's we need to get the resources to you or we need to get you to the you know, uh, capable area. Um, to look after you. It just gave us that extra information. And that's what got it across the line with the federal government. And how has this digitisation impacted on the on, on the role of staff? Now, the people I know who work in, in, in healthcare and the broader medical industry, they, 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 they want to help. They want to make people better. I presume every moment that you're not making phone calls and every moment that you're not filling out forms, but you're actually working directly in delivering clinical care... It, it, the, the sense of reward and sense of purpose that it gives the staff must be palpable too. I think so. I think that would be in many levels. You know, um, first of all, you you get to see um, that you're not alone, um, and that there's um, other units in the same situation as you are. Um, but at the same time, it also enables you to quickly identify if there's somewhere else that the patient can be, um, and get you know call that unit um, through ARV. So we can then coordinate whether or not that patient needs to be moved. So I think I think just the and and also as as humans, um, you you like it gives us more information, um, and information's I think always useful. Um, it gives us all a sense of perspective as to what's going on. You've you've worked. You were educated in, in Glasgow. You've you know, seen you know systems internationally without just you know asking for a pat on the back. How is the Australian health system going, and how's it bearing up under the the strains of COVID that you've seen, Jason? Well, I think I think the reality um, is that we've we have um, put a lot of time and money and resources into um, capability um, to provide care for COVID, um, and thankfully, compared to the other countries, we haven't seen the levels of activity um, that perhaps you know Scotland or England um, um, has seen. Um, so there's there's been a lot of planning um, uh, and implementation to be prepared 
Um, but we've yet to see um, that huge spike in requirements. Can you share some advice for any organisations who are hearing this podcast and thinking about using technology to, to, be, to be more ad- adaptive in crisis times and beyond? What's your advice? So my advice is, is that information is key. Um, and that information needs to be up to date. So having an information system like this means that you have up to date real time information. Um, so therefore, you you have contemporaneous, accurate data that then allows you to make a much more informed decision. And more importantly than that, it allows you to focus your attention to exactly um, where you need to. Um, so you you cut out a lot of the wasted time trying to um, um, work out where you need to. Um, uh, put your attention. Um, um, so, so up to date information, um, you can very quickly focus on what's required, um, and not only that, but you can see the results of um, what you've implemented. Um, so, one other interesting aspect of um, the Reach and the Chris platform, Adam, is um, it had versatility built into it. So, as well as looking at intensive care capacity, we managed to very, very quickly adapt the system um, to collect information on the number of uh, COVID tests that were being done around um, Victoria. Um, So that means that when Dan Andrews gets up and tells us how many tests have been done and in what areas, that information is actually coming out of our system. Well, Jason, around the world in these troubled times, we've seen people uh, doing rounds of applause at 8pm. We've seen opera singers singing on balconies in honour of those who work in the front line of healthcare. On behalf of everyone listening to Telstra behind the mic today, to yourself, to everyone at ARV and across the broader Australian health system, thank you so much for your expertise in these troubled times. Stay safe and thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you. 